You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Angela Westwater. Angela, thanks so much for being with me today. Of course, delighted. Angela, we're talking on April 7th in 2022. Mm-hmm. We're talking about your gallery, and, and this, is, this has been an unusual time, and I, I want to talk about some of the work currently uh, up and, um, and also how these, how this last few years went, because this was difficult for, for all galleries. Um, at, at the same time, the art world seemed to be you know, thriving to some degree during the pandemic. So, um, so before we jump into the, the, the current show, yeah, how, how were the past few years? This was an anomaly in, in the history of, of, of the gallery, and since you've been running the gallery, correct, to have this kind of a Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, we opened in 1975 um, at 142 Green Street, um, and um, that was uh, was terrific, a very positive time. Uh, it was the beginning uh, of Soho, and a um, number of, of other galleries um, certainly uh, had had preceded, and and the most important being, I think, at 420 West Broadway, uh, and at 420 West Broadway, where Leo Castelli was, Ileana Sonnabend, and John Weber. Um, and that's where I got my start as kind of the first uh, gallery girl, which which entailed uh, my bad typing, uh, a, a cleaning the the, the toilets, um, greeting people. But it was um, a terrific time, and and really, uh, I, I would say the beginning um, of of Soho, which we knew then, uh, obviously changed a lot since. It sure has, and um, and, and in, in that time, so so much has, has changed in terms of the global art world, but also, of course, in New York, in terms of the different neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and in, in Chelsea, and in um, the Lower East Side, where you are now. Um, in the last two years, there was, um, you know, uh, buyers were still buying, apparently. The art world shifted mm-hmm. in some ways. Uh, how was that for for you to adapt for Sprone Westwater to adapt to? It would seem like a very challenging time for it for gallery super, owners. It su- was super challenging. Um, actually, um, on March 13th, I was on my way back from a show of our Indian artist Jish Kalat from the Frist in in Nashville, um, and that was it. Uh, our, our English artist Richard Long, uh, such an important and legendary figure, had just opened a show here. Um, and of course, then everything closed. Everything was locked down. Um, Richard's show was really um, open. I think it was about a week. Uh, so things totally changed. And although we did leave it up, um, because I so much appreciated Richard's efforts and the new works he did, he executed for us. Um, but you know, hardly anyone came. Uh, so, um, as I recall, I kept it up during the summer. I mean, a few people kind of straggled in, um, but it, it was very tough and very disappointing, uh, certainly in, 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 in several respects. Obviously, there were kind of like makeshift efforts to reach a larger audience um, online, digitally. Uh, a number of auction houses and people made virtual viewing rooms, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so obviously there were efforts made to, to adjust, um, to um, try and um, enhance the audience um, we, we uh, used to have. Um, but, you know, pandemics uh, over the years, over history, have always uh, resulted in significant change, uh, adaptation, transition. Uh, certainly in, in the art world, this was uh, very, very much the case. And there were a number uh, of shows subsequently, um, which, which we had, um, in, including uh, a great Bruce Nauman show. Um, Bruce, we started showing in 1976, so I'm very proud and privileged to be working, to have been working with him so long. Um, frankly, there was also a show of Bruce's, um, which uh, was organized by Tate, uh, which has been traveling, um, and that um, opened. Um, but frankly, um, I know what's in it. I planned it uh, very carefully, but I haven't even seen it yet, as a matter of fact, uh, which is... Uh, it would be disappointing if I didn't already know the work so well, um, but that's uh, w one of the instances. Um, happily, I can say that the show actually traveled and is still traveling. So I guess one aspect um, of, of, of the process was that um, other venues were added to Bruce's show, uh, which had not been um, originally listed. One of them them being, um, I'm happy to say, uh, M. Woods in, in Beijing. So um, I think probably there, you know, there there are pluses and, and minuses um, in all in all of these cases. But um, you know, certainly the the artists have have all been all the ones we've been uh, showing um, happily have been have been you know working and being productive. Uh, as I said, that show um, at Tate opened in, in the fall of 2020. It went to Stedelijk in Amsterdam um, and, and then um, basically M. Woods. And I'm happy to say uh, there's another version of it expanded at uh, Pirelli Hangar Bicocca, uh, which is in Milan. So um, ultimately, I am going to get to see that, and that opens September 14th. But again, one of the most influential artists um, and uh, many people who would flock to the show have been unable to. And so how has that uh, affected us now or going forward in the future? Because it seems with, with yeah, um, some people not being able to attend shows, doing some things remotely uh, through, through Zoom, yet people still want to purchase work for their collections. Has it, has it changed the way art has moved around in the world? Is there, is there something more uh, profound or, or, or maybe has to do with, you know, the, um, yeah, the communication of a show in general? I mean, I, I'm, over, I'm overstating these things just to wonder, is, is there a kind of uh, shift in how, in how artwork is getting out into the world now? Has something become permanently changed because of, of the pandemic? And, mm -hmm. and if so, what is it? Is it the way collectors interact with work or each other, or, or is it something else? Well, I, I think you're, you're uh, certainly uh, raising uh, a, a very important topic, and uh, I think um, most uh, of those people in, in the art world would feel uh, that the buying public has certainly 
uh, adjusted to seeing things digitally, whether it's, it's virtual viewing rooms, um, which I don't exactly find uh, very, uh, well, neither informative nor inspiring, I suppose, although we have participated in some, um, but, but certainly uh, buying on a, on a certain level that is a high level um, has much in, in increased, um, I, I would say, especially in the past year. Um, but I think one also has to equate that, um, particularly within the United States, uh, with uh, obviously um, uh, not just a booming art market, um, but uh, obviously a booming economy, which is, is, has resulted in I, I don't know how many multimillionaires, if not billionaires, um, having made so much money that they are, are looking uh, to perhaps more contemporary art than they might have considered in the past, uh, you know, instead of the, the, the classics, impressionists, uh, or, or even uh, American ab abstract expressionists. So I think that's certainly changed. There's also been an increase in, in art fairs. Um, I think that's going to have to adjust because I think there are too many. Uh, I think they aren't all equally good. Um, you've seen some shift uh, in, in that area uh, with Art Basel, for example, taking over uh, a slot in, in Paris uh, this coming fall, uh, prompted um, by a change of the fair called FIAC, uh, which was there. Um, there also uh, are changes in, uh, in the auction house in terms of personnel and in terms of, of process. Um, that's absolutely uh, for sure. <clears throat> all of these, you know, I'm sure we've all seen in the, in the newspapers or uh, read online about um, increasing prices um, for some of the classic artists, both um, globally uh, in terms of, of new artists that might not have been considered before. One, one thing uh, which uh, might, might deserve a, a, a word or two um, is the fact of increased diversity in terms of uh, of artists, uh, contemporary artists, and, and their work. Uh, one of the reasons we started our, our gallery in 1975 um, was actually because uh, we showed the two partners I had were Europeans, um, and what we were intent upon doing was sharing a lot of artists who lived in Europe um, here uh, in, in the United States because I think there was an audience um, obviously, for the pop artists here, uh, Lichtenstein, Warhol, Johns, uh, Rauschenberg, but it was also true that there were certain artists abroad who people really didn't know so well unless you actually traveled a lot um, to a show like Documenta, uh, which I was lucky enough to do in 1972. And I was so impressed by things I saw, by art I saw, which really hadn't had only been rarely seen in the United States. So when we started, we were uh, really very um, interested, frankly, um, in, in, in sharing um, and, 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 and really in bringing um, to the United States artists, European avant-garde artists whose work was little known here. Um, I'm talking about uh, aria, artists such as Mario Meritz, uh, Lucio uh, Fontana, uh, Gerhard Richter, uh, we also showed here, uh, Hannah Darboven, 
a woman artist from Germany, Stanley Brown, a conceptual uh, artist from the Netherlands. So um, that was a, a real focus we had, uh, and it was important to us to do that then because not so many galleries that existed in New York at that time, even in Soho, I might add, um, showed, showed works much from, from, from Europe. I mean, we also showed when we opened um, Carl Andre, uh, Gil, Gilbert and, 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 and George, um, but it's also true that other of these European artists were kind of unknown, uh, which, was, which was strange. Subsequently, uh, we showed that other Italian artists, um, uh, Clemente, for, for ex example. Um, but I, I think what's interesting now, for example, is that the kind of, of diversity that we were in 1975, in those early years of ours, we were trying to diversify the artists we showed and to introduce to them to a newer audience here in the States. I think, of course, these past couple of years um, here in, in New York in particular, galleries have made the same kind of efforts to diversify their their audience, and, and in this case, uh, uh, of course, uh, pay significant attention um, to, to artists of color uh, from wherever they are uh, in the world, and not certainly in, in the United States, but also um, abroad. Um, we've been lucky because we are showing right now an artist called Joanna Chumali, and Joanna was winner of the Pictet Prize um, in, in 2019, which is given uh, in, in London during Photo London. She actually comes from the Ivory Coast. Um, so we've been pleased in terms of, uh, of showing artists of color to have someone like that, a, a, a woman uh, who by, by all current standards um, is uh, you know, a, 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 a rising star. And um, it's, it's, it's great. She was not able to, to travel here, but we have um, a great group of, of her photographic works here. There was a terrific review, I'm happy to say, in the New York Times on Friday. Um, we've been selling her work to a couple of institutions, um, museums uh, here in the United States. So um, that, that kind of, of effort, which has been demonstrated for Joanna, um, is one that I think has characterized our efforts from the be very beginning because that was always something we wanted to do in 1975 when, when we started. So from that point of view, it's, it's quite, um, it's quite gra uh, gratifying. Although when you, when you talk uh, about where we are now, uh, obviously uh, the, the Bowery in 1975 uh, was not a place we would have opened a gallery then. Now, obviously, it's, it's, it's totally different. I always liked so much um, the, the Patti Smith book, uh, Just Kids, um, because I think she so aptly captured uh, what, was, what was going on on the Bowery then. Um, I mean, I did come to see a, a couple of artists, but I did not come alone. I came with buddies. Uh, and something um, that, that I, I told the story recently, um, when I came to see um, a, a couple of artists, uh, what you would do um, is, is basically buzz up, you know, no cell phones. You'd buzz up to, to the artist's studio 
uh, rarely on, on the street. And then the artist would put a key to the front door in a sock and throw the sock down on the street. Then you'd take the key, as I did, and unlock the door and trudge up several stairs. So um, the Bowery was a little different. That's a great story. Yeah, that's, it sure It really was. is. No one, the, the, the young people I tell that to say, what? You did, well, why didn't you call up? I said, there were no phones. You know, I mean, you it's, amazing. Just, it's, maybe, it's, it's amazing how, think, how things have changed. I mean, also since 1975, the, the, the demographic of artists, the amount of, of women that are now showing, the amount of women that own galleries has increased. All that, I would imagine, absolutely. Was, was an incredible battle in the 70s for... Um, for for the artists that you are representing, especially women, and um, and and also mm-hmm. for yourself as a as a gallerist in a in a world that was largely dominated by by men at that point, wasn't it? Yeah, t- t- totally, absolutely dominated by men, and and mainly, as I pointed out before, mainly Americans, very very few a few Europeans, and and you know uh, uh, again. Um, that that was something my partners were involved with, having founded uh, and shown early on over there uh, artists who would come to be very prominent. Um, so that that was important and uh, thrilling, and you know it uh, it was um, I, I I think it changed um, the the discourse here because um, uh, frankly um, you know I I I think that that um, that, that, that here um, at the time it was um, really I don't think many of the collectors here were, were really what I would say very open to um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of artists um, because I I think um, Americans weren't um, as 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 interested um, mainly. They didn't really know, uh, and of course, uh, after the war in, uh, in 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 Europe, I mean, some of those countries, like in 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 Germany, um, hadn't hadn't really seen much American art at all. So it it worked both ways. Uh, I think the American art world. I guess the the word is I'm thinking about what I said. Um, the American art world was very parochial when we started. Um, so there were few curators who were attentive to what was going on beyond the borders of, of the United States. Um, I think that was really significant. And um, uh, as I said, one of our efforts was to um, basically um, exp- expand um, and diversify uh, the art world, first for, for, for Europeans and subsequently uh, for all artists of of uh, all um, you know genders, uh, all all color was also um, and again you're younger you wouldn't uh, remember but in 1975 um, President Ford refused to bail out New York City. Uh, there was that that famous I could send it to you um a famous i think it was the new york posters or 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 something um i i should find a picture of uh, of that because it was um essentially the message was like new york dropped dead um because it was a it was a very tough time 
and um, the president was was um, was not going to help us uh, in, in any way, New York. So, in fact, I I saw recently a, a reference to that um, famous uh, front front page. I, it was probably the Daily News, the Post, uh, more right. than the New York Times. But but it was it was you know New York dropped dead. That 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 was the headline. Uh, and it was in that context that, that we opened our gallery. Um, so, um, so, so in, that, in, 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 in that context, yeah, well, it's such an extraordinary uh, time and context. And, and as you were talking about it, you know, the, the, the R world being somewhat parochial then, over the years, what's, what's also changed, I, I would imagine, is how, is how collectors are educated, uh, right, to some mm-hmm. degree. I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, I, I don't know exactly what the collectors were like in 1975 to 80, but it seems now in the art world, it's, it's, it's of course not so simple to just buy something, and maybe it never was, but collectors need to have uh, a certain type of education, a certain type of awareness, a certain type of Absolutely. understanding mm-hmm. of what it means to build a collection, of what it means to buy from certain galleries. That's, that's a educational sphere it seems that that's grown over the years correct including now yeah i think i i i I think it's grown and um i'm i'm happy um to have recently seen a couple of of collectors in la um that i worked with from relatively early days very serious collectors who themselves did exactly uh what you suggest they educated themselves um obviously a few um, curators who were doing good shows um, at a couple of the a couple but not all of the uh, best American museums um, and and some of those collectors you know the, yeah they would study um, collectors I have many recollections of collectors coming to the back room sitting down let's have a cup of coffee but but tell me this artist Bruce Nauman is that the way you say his name Richard Long, um, Wolfgang Leib, again, Gerhard Richter, we showed at the very beginning. Um, but it was a, a process, and as much as I think these collectors um, wanted to learn and they recognized that that was an important proce- process to establishing a good collection, um, could be equally valuable, um, frankly, um, to, to the gallerist um, because I could learn something at the same time if this great curator, um, I'm thinking of someone at the Art Institute of Chicago who came and who bought fantastic things from me. And um, I learned in the process of that dialogue uh, more about the artists as well um, but because um, it was a, a two-way conversation. And in most cases then, um, the collectors were there themselves. Uh, another development which one could point to is, of, of course, art consultants, art advisors. And this has, has changed radically um, in, in the 46, 47 uh, years since we opened um, because as people have become more interested, um, they in some cases have felt the need um, to have consultants go around, check into things, um, you know, share their, their insights. Um, and, uh, of course, the number of galleries uh, has drastically uh, increased um, experientially, as have 
um, art consultants, art advisors, you know, on all levels. I, I mean from very good, serious thinkers uh, as advisors to ones who in some cases might, um, shall we say, be more decorators, if you know what I mean. Um, sure. But I think it's also true that, um, uh, you know, the strong economy in, in recent years um, has not only meant there's more money in circulation, but that um, basically younger people have gotten much more interested um, in, in contemporary art than at the time when we opened. I mean, it was, it was very different. Um, so um, I, I think that's, that's all a plus, but, but the educational aspect um, has certainly always been important um, to us at, at this gallery. And I think artists appreciate that we um, are, are trying uh, to really disseminate information, not just about their works and the, the prices, but, but rather, um, you know, their, their motivation, their thoughts, their own um, outpourings, especially during the pandemic. I, I think this is uh, relevant. Absolutely. And um, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, I wanted to ask you about one thing from the, from the past, just because um, it seemed like it was so influential for you, the, the, the Harold uh, Seisman show uh, in, in oh, Europe. Oh, gosh, you, um, you, you got it. You hit it uh, because you're exactly right. You've done some homework. Um, and, and that show um, was, uh, I, I, I think, um, uh, a breakthrough um, in terms of, of my own thinking. Um, and Harold, I'd met before, uh, actually, I think I'd met him in Bern, Switzerland, I, I think in, I don't know, 73 or, or, no, no, it had to have been earlier. It probably was in 1971. Uh, but in, in any event, um, that documenta was of, of major significance because it was um, a diverse documenta in terms of showing um, artists um, from around the world. Um, and artists, and he had different themes. Um, uh, one of them, um, I mean, one was like science. Um, one uh, was um, advertising. So it, it, it reached out from what might have been more academic categories, shall we say, uh, into ones that were more reflective of, of contemporary life and current culture. Um, so... Um, I, 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 I was really, um, my mind was, was totally, um, you know, intrigued, entranced. And by the time I came back from that documenta, um, I went to work at, at Art Forum under John Copeland. I was the managing director. And I came back and I said, wow, this documenta, because John hadn't gone. And I said, I think it's just so important. I think we... Um, really should expand the coverage of Art Forum magazine um, in order to uh, ba basically um, let our, the art audience know what's going on in Europe. I mean, again, it, it kind of um, reflected my own thinking when we opened the gallery, but it was very much uh, about um, a very diverse, very in interesting cross-section of artists, not narrow at all, um, but but uh, quite 
quite wide. Malcolm Morley, um, whom we, well, I didn't have a gallery at the time, but we didn't represent, uh, who was the winner of the, of the first Turner Prize, um, had a prominent role um, in, in that show. Um, it uh, uh, was, was uh, I mean, Klaus Oldenburg showed uh, the Mouse, Mouse Museum. Um, that, was, that was amazing, too. And then many other um, European artists, not just Germany, because it obviously took place in, uh, in Kassel, Germany, uh, where it, it, it still um, regularly takes place. But uh, I, I think that was the documenta um, of all documentas in the sense that it, it really um, had uh, a very powerful effect on the world of contemporary art. Well, I'm so glad we went over that a little bit. Yeah, that 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 is such a kind of legendary kind of moment. Yeah, it, in, 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 it it really is. And I think um, apropos your query uh, about Seyman, I have the feeling that the Getty owns his um, that would need to be checked um, his archives, and I think that there are even notes of that. I mean, I've seen them some some place in, in in a show. I think um maybe it was a show in, in Venice one year. In any event, I think the Getty was so impressed and thought it was such um uh, an important demarcation that that they bought his archives, which would have included because the list of, of artists was so long and extensive in, in not just its global reach, but in terms of all these different uh, categories, the way uh, people and artists were categorized, discussed, um, you know, confined, if you will. Um, so I, th- I think I-, I could check on that for you, but um, I think that's significant and, um, you know, marvelous kind of tribute uh, to that particular show that that's what they did. Absolutely, yeah, and I believe you're right that the Getty has his archive and um, is one of the research institutes for him. I, I, it's such a pleasure talking with you and, and and talking about you know art over the span you've had the gallery and before. I, I want to ask you just one last question, which is off topic. Mm. What are you reading at the moment? Um, I, I've, I'll, I have three books. Okay, I haven't finished any of the three, but I'm on it. Uh, and they're all big, so they're heavy. Um, and um, one of them is, is the latest volume of John Richardson's book uh, on, on Picasso, um, which goes, I think, to 1932, I mean, which I think ends in 1932, if I'm not mistaken. Um, another book um, is this Louis Menard called The Free World. Um, it came out last year. Um, it's about art and culture, um, uh, ba- basically um, after, um, after, the, after World War II. Uh, but it, it actually goes, goes back a little, a little bit earlier. It goes back to the more of the the uh, you know be- beginning of the of the 20th century, so there's a good bit of, of politics in it, a political history which I like. Um, but then um, at last we're getting um, in, in, into the reflection of of how 
politics um, really, um, especially I, I suppose talking about Western Europe, um, was 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 then reflected um, in, in the art scene. So he's talking about uh, you know f- philosophers, um, especially in in Paris, um, and he's talking about painters. But again, I'm like. I'm only a third of the way through that book, but that's, that's terrific. He teaches English at Harvard, Louis Menard. Um, mm. I don't know the, who, which book, which uh, publishing house did that. The Free World is what it's called. It's fantastic. Um, and um, then oh, the, my, my third book is um, kind of unusual, uh, but the Met did a, a show about Walt Disney um, and the French decorative arts, uh, which I went to. I took my grandson as well as my husband, uh, but not at the same time, fortunately. Um, and, and that's pretty interesting. Um, I, it sounds rather facile. Um, and, and yes, there were films and clips from early um, Disney cartoon movies, but, but it, it made some serious points um, about the French decorative arts and about how that was the source for some of the interest, not just of, of, of Walt Disney himself, but also of a number of the artists who worked for Disney. Uh, and actually, Disney, um, I, I, I read and learned in that, was a, uh, a trustee of the Museum of Modern Art uh, at, huh. at one early time, so that all of that surprised me. I mean, there's it was. Uh, I mean, I know young people flocked to the show. I, I saw them. The waiting line the last couple of days was. I it took like 35 or 40 minutes to even approach the door, um, but, but but that actually made some interesting points about the French decorative arts, which aren't ex- exactly uh, my thing. Or, or, you know, what I appreciate most. Um, but but the, the affinities and the links um, surprised me um, in a good way. Well, Angela, I want to thank you for talking with me today and, and sharing those books. Uh, those are exciting. And, and also your experiences and, and the current show, which is still on as this, as this interview will yeah, air. So thank you. Thank you so much. Please. Excellent. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.